Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. All right, let's take our seats. I want to again welcome everyone. Hopefully, everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Did you guys enjoy your time over a meal? Hopefully, you had some good meals. I asked the first guy, then what, what was your favorite meal? So, uh, with permission, just kind of what are the things that you eat that was like amazing? No one? Brisket. Okay, brisket. That's a Thanksgiving favorite. Love it. <laughs> what else? Mac and cheese? Yeah, we had some good mac and cheese. We, stuffing? I did learn there's a difference between stuffing and dressing. Uh, if it's in a turkey, it's stuffing. If it's not in a turkey, it's dressing. Uh, cranberry, blueberry, relish. Fantastic. We, we, uh, we fry a turkey every year. And as I shared with if you've never had a fried turkey, I don't think you've experienced life yet. <laughs> fried turkey is amazing. It is dangerous. Uh, we almost blew up. Uh, because our pan was leaking grease. Uh, there was a hole in it. But my dad caught it, and I'm here today. So it worked out. But no, hopefully everyone enjoyed time with family and friends. It's always a, a good time uh, to do that Thanksgiving. But also, um, as Andrea mentioned, today is the first Sunday in Advent. And so the church historically would then focus her attention on the coming of Christ, looking back at some of the promises or prophecies concerning Christ. And so we want to begin that. Joey last week introduced us to Advent with Jesus ultimately being the, the bread from heaven. And so we feast on Jesus. And so we do have a table. Um, some uh, friends and family from the body have brought uh, food. There's some pies. There's some burritos, casseroles. So feel free after this gathering to come and partake, take some, give it to a friend. We want to just spend this time in Advent with the theme, returning to the feast. It's this call to return back to the table and to return uh, to Jesus. And this morning, uh, our focus is on hope. And so on this first Sunday of Advent, we, we are looking at hope. And, and in preparation for this, I remember I read a really good book by Tim Keller it was called Hope in Times of Fear, and it's really focusing on hope in the context of the resurrection and in the context of Easter. And one of the things that he mentioned was that there's this Harvard, there was this Harvard scientist named Harlow Shapley. He died in 1972, but he wrote, he listed five things, five factors that he thought could destroy Western civilization. And so if I throw that back out to you, what do you think would be a factor that would destroy Western civilization? It's kind of interesting to, to think about this. What do you think would destroy Western civilization? Give me something. Greed, Greed? okay. What else? Violence. You said violence? All right. Anybody else? Self-centeredness? Fear. Fear? Taking God out of everything. Taking God out of everything? So, so I heard something back there. Apathy? All right, let me, let me help you out. He, he, this was his theory. He said the five factors, <laughs> we were close, <laughs> that Western civilization, again, it's a thought, it's not necessarily the case, but he thought nuclear war. Wow. Now, if, again, if you think back to kind of like 15, 20 years ago, everybody, or you watched the movies, remember that movie with Bruce Willis? Uh, 
Yes. So, 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 so nuclear war or terrorism. So that's one fact. He says, you know, nuclear war or terrorism would destroy Western civilization. Another factor would be famine or food shortages. That would destroy Western civilization. Or climatic or topographical catastrophe. Uh, I'm surprised no one said this because it's the theme of today, right? Another thing he thought might be a factor is a plague or a pandemic. Uh, but what I thought was fascinating was the fifth thing he thought might destroy Western civilization. Boredom. It was close. I'll give you that. Afterwards, come get a, a burrito. That's the consolation. But boredom, he thought boredom would destroy Western civilization. And here's, here's the reason. Boredom increases as we lose hope for progress. And then boredom becomes the one thing that furthers, further erodes progress. So think about that. He says, when we are bored, it's because we're losing hope of progress. We're giving up. And so on this first Sunday of Advent, I want us to discover what it is when the Bible says we ought to have hope. And we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 33. I'll read from verses 10 to 13. And we'll look at how Jeremiah encouraged the people of Israel to have hope. Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 10 to 13. It reads as follows. And it's on the screen behind. It says, Thus says the Lord, In this place of which you say it is a waste, without man or beast, in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate, without man or inhabitant or beast, there shall be heard again the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voices of those who sing as they bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as at first, says the Lord. Verse 12, thus says the Lord of hosts, in this place that is waste without man or beast or in all of its cities, there shall again be habitations of shepherds resting their flocks. And in the cities of the hill country, in the cities of the Shephelah, cities of the Negev, and in the land of Benjamin, the places about Jerusalem, and in the cities of Judah, flocks shall again pass under the hands of the one who counts them, says the Lord. This is God's word. Let's pray. And so, Lord, we now look to you. You are the one in whom we ought to place our hope. And so may we this morning feast on this amazing truth that we can place our hope and trust in you and be confident that you are worthy. We pray and ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, hope, it is something we all contend with on a day-to-day -day basis. It's, it's probably not possible to live your day without hoping for something. We say things like, I hope you have a good day. I say to my daughter as she goes to school, I hope you have a good day at school. We recently traveled and often before we travel, we heard this chorus, I, I hope you have a safe trip. We say things like, I hope to see you soon. What do we, what do we mean when we say hope? So in many ways, I would suggest that all of us are on a journey, this journey called life. 
And on this journey, there are, there's turns, there's curves, if you will, like on a road, and we can't quite see what's on the other side. Navigate life, we, uncertainty, we now hope in things. That's what this first Sunday in Advent is about. It's about hope. In the Bible, the word hope means a profound certainty. It's not wishful thinking. It is a profound certainty. So as we journey through life, and as we navigate this reality of hope, I want us to look at Jeremiah and the words inscribed in what we read a few moments ago. You see, Jeremiah is a prophet. He's a leader for the people of Israel. But the nation is in a crisis You know, 600 years before Christ comes, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, is on the scene, and he he has his troops surrounding the capital city of Jerusalem. Israel is in trouble. The king of Israel at that time is Zedekiah. And Zedekiah is like, you know what? I think I could take him out. The Babylon, who's Nebuchadnezzar? Bring it on. And Jeremiah's like, king, trust me, this is not a battle you want to fight. If you fight, you will lose. The Babylonians will win. This is God's judgment upon us. Don't fight this battle. Now, there were other people informing Zedekiah, other prophets. They were saying, don't fight it, king, you're the man. Who are the Babylonians? You got it. Like, fight them. And Jeremiah's like, king. We are in trouble. Do not do it. So the king doesn't like what Jeremiah is saying. And so in frustration, perhaps, he takes Jeremiah and he puts him in a prison cell. He's a persecuted prophet with this message that the king doesn't like, and he's now in jail. And in the midst of this national crisis, With Jeremiah sitting in a cell, he proclaims a message of hope for Israel, and I believe a message for us to do, for us today. And in that message of hope, he asks us to do two things. It's simple. Look back and look forward. Look back at what God has done and look forward at what God has promised to do. I asked the first guy because I need to know how many people in this room are good drivers. Raise your hand if you're a good driver. Okay, just like this, I see a lot of hands not up. I'm very concerned. So now I got to watch my back pulling out of the parking lot. One of the challenging things as a father, we have a 60-year-old teaching her how to drive. And one of the things I'm trying to teach her is, I believe, a skill necessary to be a good driver is to be able to look forward and to look back at the same time. Beautiful thing attached to the window. What is it called? your rearview mirror. So as you're looking forward, it would be appropriate to at times look behind to see what's going on. That's what Jeremiah is going to call Israel to do. Look back at what God has done, but also look forward at what he's promised to do. And so we too ought to look back at what God has done. And in Jeremiah chapter 33, we didn't read this, but in this chapter, verses 2 to 3, we see what God has done. It says this, thus says the Lord who made the heaven or who made the earth, The Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Friends, God has a proven track record. He will not fail. 
See, the revelation, the information that Jeremiah was about to get comes from a very reliable source. God is guaranteeing his credibility by reminding the prophet of his work back in creation. I I made the earth. I, I formed it. I established it. What would it look like for us to remind each other of what God has done? And when you just think about God created the heavens and the earth, just meditate on that reality. Share that with one another. Be amazed by what God has done. This is why Jeremiah in the previous chapter says, Ah, Lord, God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth. It is you who, who by your outstretched hands, by your power, you made it. And he says this, nothing is too difficult for you. Friends, that's the God we serve. He made the heavens. He made the earth. Just meditate on that reality and etch in your heart. There is nothing that is too difficult for him. And as such, he invites us to call upon him. So remind yourselves of what God has done and call upon him. He says to Jeremiah, I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things. And so hope is looking back at what God has done, but it's also looking forward to what God will do and what God has promised to do. And we see it in this passage. We, we see that Babylon, the Babylonians are going to besiege the city. Israel is going to be taken into exile. They're going to say of that land it is a waste without man or beast. In the cities of Judah, we read it, the streets of Jerusalem, they are desolate. But then God says, but there will be once again heard three things. We'll once again hear singing voices of gladness. Once again, we'll hear the voice of the bridegroom and the voice, there will be weddings. We'll hear the voice of those who sing and they bring thanks offerings to the house of the Lord. He's beginning to paint a picture in the context of their demise of what it will be like. Friends, hope always draws a picture of the better days that are to come. Hope says it is coming. God's promises will come. They will be yours. God is faithful. He is true. Call upon him. When you read Jeremiah chapter 33, look at all the promises he gives to Israel. He says he promises them health and healing, abundance of prosperity, security, Restoring the fortunes of Judah and Israel, rebuilding them as they were at first, cleansing them from all the guilt of their sin, forgiving them of their sin and their rebellion. So they have this wonderful picture of what God will do. So they look back at what God has done and they look forward to what he will do. And the means by which they could be guaranteed this is found in verse 14. How in the world could they be confident? He says in verse 14, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promises I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. And at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved. Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. You see, their hope was to be in a person. The hope of Israel was going to be found in the righteous branch of David. Friends, to have hope in God, it's not to have an uncertainty. 
To have hope in God, it's not an anxious wish that he will affirm our plans. Rather, it's to recognize that he and he alone is trustworthy. That everything else, everyone else will let us down. But that his plans are infinitely wise and good. That's who we're placing our trust in. And we're trusting in, in what he's done, and we look forward to what he will do, and we're placing our confidence like that. We're talking about a feast, right? Last week, Joey talked about Jesus, the bread from heaven. In some ways, hope is like hunger. There's a hint that something's on the way. So I, I think back to Thursday. How many of you, who's, who's the best cooks in here? Like you were called upon for Thanksgiving. Raise your hand. I see Dory's. There you go, David Thompson. I see another Vasquez. Okay, so we have some cooks in this place. Before you can cook the meal, there's some preparation that must be done, right? And so we go to the grocery store. We get all our ingredients. And if you're not a cook, but who, 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 whose gift is to eat the meal that is cooked? <laughs> Amen, right? So, so you, you're sitting there waiting, right? And you see preparation has been done. And so now there's this thing that happens when good food is being cooked. If you've never had a fried turkey, this is what happens. You inject that bird with some just great, joyous flavors. Yes, I heard a yes, Lord, right? You put that turkey in the, the, the oil, and within a few minutes, the aroma of that bird begins to fill. What did I say, bird? Oh, carefully, yes, do it carefully. But then the aroma begins to fill that place. And that tells you the meal is on its way. Friends, as we look forward to what God is doing, hope is beginning to see evidence that God is at work. And because God is at work, we have the confidence that he will be faithful. That the, the challenging thing is we have to wait. That, that's the piece that I don't like. I don't like waiting for the end result. That, that's our thing. There's a promise, there's a painted picture, there's a desired result, but I now must wait. And in cultural, in ancient times, people would turn to God because they understood that they did not have control of their world. But today, we believe that we have control. Because we believe we have control, we no longer hope in God. History has taught us that we now believe in ourselves. We believe in our reasoning. We believe in our technological advances for our progress. But we're seeing that that is not working. For several centuries, the Western culture had a significant hope for the future, right? Parents always trusted that it would be better days for my children and my grandchildren. But we now live in a time where we don't even know if that's the case. We wonder about the future for our kids and our grandkids. Movies no longer paint this optimistic scenario of the future. They tell us that young adults are far less likely to marry or to have children or even to vote. All of these are indicators of a loss of hope. Many studies tell us that members of Gen Z are far more pessimistic about the future and about themselves. And it's not just out there. Maybe it's happening in this room. Maybe even with all of our activity with God, maybe we're at this place too where we're wondering 
What if we're bored? What if we're struggling? What if we're at that place of despair? You see, Israel, they had to have been discouraged. They were the people of God, and they are now in exile. The pain of that reality is best described, I think, in Psalm 137. They say, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and we wept as we remembered Zion. We are the people of God. There are promises declared over our life, but it's not working out. For there, the wicked, they carried us away into captivity. And there, in captivity, in my despair, they required from us a song. And the psalm says, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Friends, maybe that's true for some of us. That we're at that place of boredom, at that place of despair. Just that we can't find hope. How can we sing the Lord's song? Friends, we too must look to the branch David. We too must find resolution in what God has promised and done in him. We need to be reminded of what God has done and what he will do. And I think the best thing that demonstrates that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Friends, when Jesus rose from the dead, everything changed. Our reality, it wasn't like something supernatural. It's not just that something supernatural was happening when he rose from the dead. He was showing us what God has been displaying all throughout Scripture, that this life comes from death. That in those seasons of despair, God is working on something. We see that throughout Scripture. He can restore that he can resurrect, that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he paints a picture, he inaugurates his kingdom, showing us what will be, but we, be, we see glimpses of it today. All the effects of sin. This is the picture painted for us in scripture. All the decay of the world will be healed. Disease, aging, death, he deals with that. Poverty, war, racism, crime that's in, that infests our world now. In Christ, ultimately, these will be dealt with. And the things we process internally, fear, guilt, shame, despair. Friends, the resurrection shows us that God can and will do something about it. Because on that day, when the branch of David shows up, we ourselves will be made new. We'll receive a renewed uh, bodies. He's, friends, it's amazing what he's going to do. Oftentimes we want the story lives, the story of our lives to go from like strength to strength, the good to good. It just gets better. But for many people, it doesn't work like that. We find ourselves in great despair. But what you see in Scripture is that God brings life through death, triumph through weakness. And so if we're at that place, place your hope in him. In those times of despair, in those times where it seems like all hope is lost, remember that Christ felt that as well. And on that cross, he felt that despair. On the cross, he also cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And the scripture teaches us that for the joy set before him, what he knew that God was going to do, he endured the cross, and in so doing, he secures a spot for each person in that room. And so if he is able to endure, friends, that's what should motivate to place our hope in him. Place your hope in God. Look at what he's done. Find hope in what he will do and share that with people. One of the things that I think will be an encouragement for the body of believers is we, we got to start talking about what God is doing, right? We, we, we just got to, growing up, we, we, we call that just testify. Anyone know what I'm talking? You just testify to what God is doing. So if I ask, is anyone in here that can testify that God is doing something today, right now? We need to begin to share that as a, as a means to encourage our friends who might be struggling, as a means to encourage our neighbors who might be at that place where they've lost hope. And may we place our hope in the resurrected Savior, the branch of David, be reminded of what God has done and look forward to what he will do. And in so doing, may our hearts be filled with hope this Advent season. Let's bow our heads as we pray. So, Lord, may we, to be filled with the hope of Advent that is found in Christ Jesus, the branch of David, may we in this room be reminded of what you have done and that reality and that truth. May we rejoice in what you have done, Lord. But we, may we also just find joy and hope in the picture painting of what you ultimately will do and may today be filled with, day, uh, with just glimpses of those aspects of restoration that already but not yet reality, Lord. And we recognize that the means by which all this happens is found in Christ Jesus. And so as we are here this morning, fill our hearts with hope, I ask in Christ's name, amen. Next week, we'll have...